VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon and welcome to the Hoosier Huddle podcast. Today we are uh, going to preview the Indiana defense. I'm your host, Sammy Jacobs. Our co-host, TJ Inman, will be along with us shortly uh, to go over that defense. Uh, we are eight days away, a week and a day away from kickoff. Um, it's coming quickly, so uh, we're going to go over the defense. We'll have our pregame show uh, sometime next week. Uh, TJ, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing very well, Sammy. Always, uh, always enjoyable to talk football, but it's definitely much more uh, exciting and, and uh, I think makes for the best shows here right before we kick off the season and we can actually, you know, not just theorize things. We start to see the product onto the field and that's, uh, that's what's in sight. Like you said, just eight days out. Um, so really, in theory, tomorrow is kind of the start of quote-unquote game week preparation for the team. So, um, I'm not sure when they're headed out to Florida, but uh, it's it's right here. They're they're in their final final run up to practice. I know that uh, we've seen them for the last the game kicks off. So from here on out, it's it's kind of them uh, into kind of lockdown mode and um, getting everything finalized before they before they head up to Florida and take on the Panthers and you know all the information that we have is uh, is what we're going to share here on the podcast with the defense. I, I'm excited to talk about the defense because I think there are a lot more question marks um, with this and a lot more unknowns with this defense than what we had with the offense, which was, you know, the offensive line, we know what we got. Uh, the running backs, we know of, you know, a lot of different options, but we feel good about that group. Uh, regardless of who ends up getting the carries. Uh, the wide receivers, obviously, we know what we have there. A uh, ton of quality options. Major unknown as the quarterback. But with defense, we feel good about there being progress. It's just a matter of how much progress. And there's so many more question marks uh, and open positions, if you will, heading into the season with the defense than we have with the offense. Yeah, nobody's job, maybe T. Gray Scales and Marcus Oliver at linebacker and Fant yeah. at corner and, and Crawford, but most of that defense was up for grabs uh, in terms of playing time. Nobody, um, you know, with the new coordinator coming in, it, it had to be earned uh, instead of given, and that was something that um, changed the culture around a little bit, I think. Um, and something that uh, Kevin Wilson was looking for as well. Uh, so, TJ, let's start out. Uh, we're going to do the same format as we did last week. If if our listeners listened last week, we're going to go over the each position group in detail, but we'll, we'll start out by giving our, our MVP or player to watch uh, in that position group. Uh, let's start on the mm-hmm. back end in the secondary. Um, my MVP is Jonathan Crawford uh, back there. He's uh, a true sophomore from Largo, Florida. He led IU in interceptions with four last year. I believe he was the third leading tackler with 76 tackles last year uh, on the team. Yep. And as a true freshman, 
he was very, very impressive. And in fall camp, uh, he's been a, uh, a playmaker uh, all, in, all in fall camp, making diving interceptions, breaking up passes, making big hits. Uh, so he's my uh, defensive uh, most valuable player in the secondary. Yeah, yeah, I think there are two candidates for this spot. One is Rashard Fant, the number one corner. Uh, the other is Crawford, the number one safety. I'm with you. I'm going with Crawford. Um, and it's not a slight to Fant because I think that he's been, you know, steadily improving as a corner. And uh, I think it's, uh, you would expect he's in line for his Crawford. I think the word you use, playmaker, I think that perfectly describes him. Um, you know, he, he showcased that throughout high school. And he brought it to Bloomington and just kept doing it. He just keeps making plays for the defense. There's going to be some times where he was a little bit out of position last year. Uh, got burnt a couple times with being a little bit too aggressive, perhaps. But uh, for the most part, uh, you're not going to fault him for that because he's trying to make plays. Um, so I think you're looking for that positional awareness to improve a little bit in this second season. You'd expect that to improve. But you're just going to want to continue to see him make those plays, make the interceptions, uh, you know, make the big hits as a, as a safety, which you're, you're hoping to get. Um, yeah, I was thinking about this. If he continues on this trajectory, you know, for the next two or three years, I, you know, he's got a shot to be IU's best safety since what, you know, since who? And I, I couldn't, I couldn't come up with a name really. I think his potential is that high that he could be as good a safety as Indiana's had in my lifetime. Yeah, definitely. And, and Indiana safety play really hasn't been all that good. You'd think of guys like Will Myers, uh, who made that spectacular interception against, against Iowa. And, and then of course he had Austin Thomas and Nick Polk uh, during that, that 07 bowl run and into 08 who were very solid players, but there hasn't been a playmaker yeah. like Jonathan Crawford there in a long, long time. Um, and, you know, it's, uh, it's something that will solidify that backside. The coaching staff loves him. Um, and, you know, he's now a year older. He's used to the physical wear and tear of the Big Ten. Last year, the the popular story out of Bloomington was that kid, I think, played 900 and some odd plays and, and was so exhausted that he couldn't do one push-up. So it's the next year he's faster, stronger, and you would, hope that he's more adjusted to the college game where he can conserve a little energy uh, for that back end. Indiana will play 10 power five teams in a row um, to, to end the season after the early bye week. So there, there, there's that meat of the season where people, you know, it's like the dog days in August uh, for baseball where people are going to get worn down. They're, they're going to have their nicks and, and, and be banged up. So maybe this year is the year he can adjust to that and, and really, uh, you know, become force uh, more consistently on, on the defense, but let's um, move out to the, to the other safety positions. Uh, you, you see Chase Jutras should be back. He's been limited in camp um, dealing with injuries, but when he's been on the field, he's been very, very productive. Um, you saw him in, in 2014 come on as a redshirt freshman. He had a couple picks against Purdue, a pick against um, Michigan, and, and be a very productive player. So him and, and Crawford back there uh, really make a dynamic duo uh, at safety who could 
get those takeaways um, and and rip at the ball in in the run game and and really lay a, lay a licking on you uh, as a offensive player. If you're coming across the middle, you've got to look out for for number nine and and, and number thirty. Yeah, I, you know, the, I I like that duo a lot. I think it's there's a lot of potential there. I just worry Chase Dutra has really had so many injury issues um, that it, it's it's very. Um, Durability is a big concern uh, in that spot. I I think that if Chase Dutra can stay healthy for a majority of the season, he and Crawford can can form a really good tandem. And he, it's not just a matter of you know uh, the production on the field that he provides. You want continuity between those two. You know you want them to be able to, to be on the field together for a lengthy period of time, so that they can get used to playing with each other. Kind of you know know each other's tendencies just instinctually and not have to really think about, okay, what's Chase going to do? What's Crawford going to do? Uh, you know, they, they just have been on the field enough together that they kind of instinctually know it. That's going to help you, you know, play better defense in that case, uh, play quicker, just react quicker. Uh, and, you know, if Dutra is injured and not able to practice or not able to, to be on the field, uh, you're not going to get that continuity either. So it's not just a matter of production on the field. It's, kind of the, the each other part of it as well. Um, yeah, and, and but I, I think it's really important that Dutra is able to play because I I don't see a ton of proven production behind him. I like some of the options behind him potentially, but, you know, we haven't really seen it. But uh, I, do, I do think that this is a pretty good group of safeties, but those two, I think, are the, are the top two, and there's not much question about it. Yeah, and going into the depth at safety, uh, Dutra being limited in camp has opened more opportunities for Tony Fields and Jameel Cook uh, to get a look, and as well as Leon Thornton moving from corner after moving from receiver to safety. Yeah, uh, he's another yeah, guy with good hands and and great instincts. Um, I, I think they moved him because of his size. He's he's another two hundred pound defensive back who. Uh, yeah. you know, is a big athletic body with good instincts and great hands um, to to get those takeaways. Uh, but, you know, Jamil Cook and Tony Fields made big plays last year. Uh, Jamil Cook um, had a 96-yard interception return for a touchdown that sealed the game against FIU last year, actually saved mm-hmm. the game. Um, you know, who knows what happens if that – play goes the other way and, and FIU scores a touchdown to tie the game up or potentially take the lead um, and, yeah. and who knows where the season goes and then Tony Fields had an interception against Wake Forest um, that he returned for a touchdown so they're both playmaking safeties they were both banged up uh, Jameel Cook's finally back healthy uh, after missing um, most of the year last year at the end um, and, and Tony Fields is you know he's now I, I believe a junior and he's he's really come on uh, well in practice. Coaches have been talking highly of him, and, and we'll see where it goes. So the depth, I think, is as good as it talent-wise is as good as it's ever been in the secondary and at the safety position, where you're not um, you could go two and maybe even three deep instead of just you know three total players going for one um, going for two spots. Now now you could have. You know, if Jonathan Crawford needs to be taken out of the game or Chase Dutra's not back healthy enough, you have a little bit more confidence with, with these guys stepping in. 
Um, and, 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 and TJ, we'll talk about the Husky as it, its own position because it is different than a true safety. Um, and, yeah. and they, it, the Husky position to me is, is most interesting because um, they start a, a, a 17-year-old uh, in Marcelino Ball there, and he's been absolutely fabulous at camp. Uh, in, in fall camp, and it's a guy who's jumped the page on on, on defense. Yet you, you have guys at safety, and and you have depth at safety now, where you could go to maybe even three deep, um, with minimal drop off uh, between the ones and the twos, and a little bit more on on the twos and threes. But you could feel comfortable to where you're putting out athletes who can hold their own against um, other Big Ten athletes. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, the Husky position, um, I guess we can we can move to that now. Um, you know, this is a new position uh, within the IU defense under Tom Allen uh, as part of his 425. The Husky's kind of that fifth guy in the secondary. Uh, you know, it's commonly referred to as kind of a hybrid linebacker, defensive back spot. I think it's much more defensive back than it is linebacker. Um, but it is going to be a very interesting position to watch evolve as the season moves on and as guys kind of settle into it and we see, see who's going to get the nod there. Like you said, Marcelino Ball is a guy that uh, I think as Thompson, we kind of expected to be the guy that sort of took this position you know, by the horns. And unfortunately that hasn't really happened due to a turf toe injury for him. And it's opened the door for a number of guys, Ben Bach, Marcelino Ball, Zeke Walker, uh, being the, the three that come to mind right away. Marcelino Ball, the most interesting of the guys, just like you said, he's you know 17 years old, um, comes from a football family. We've mentioned him a couple times here on the podcast because the coaches continue to talk about how his play has really impressed them during camp. I mean, you've seen it. He's he's physically looks like a star. Uh, yeah, he does you know, not you don't, physically you don't look think like of a seventeen-year-old. No, no. So, I I'm really really anxious to see how. Number one, just how the Husky and I I went back and watched some. You know, we hired Tom Allen. I went back and watched some USF uh, film from last year, just to kind of see what the four-two-five looked like and and kind of get in my head. Okay, this is what the Husky position is gonna is going to look like when, you know, maybe it's Ben Bach or maybe I was not thinking Marcelino Ball at that time when he came to IU. I was thinking there's a guy that's probably gonna redshirt because of his age, um, and it. It just does not appear to, be, appear to be the case. He's not going to redshirt. Whether he starts or not, he's definitely going to be a part of the rotation in there. I think that Ben Bach is a player that a lot of people tend to overlook because of his kind of lack of pedigree coming to Indiana. Now he's a walk-on. Kevin Wilson has shown time and time again he doesn't care about that. If you earn your spot on the field, it doesn't matter if you're a walk-on or not, you're going to play. So – Ben Box going to play as well. Uh, Zeke Walker, a guy that has, you know, played multiple spots for Indiana. Um, you know, another bigger, bigger guy. These are just kind of bigger defensive backs that I'm hoping are going to be able to help Indiana cover the bigger wide receivers in the Big Ten 
while also providing run support uh, and help out the run defense and kind of augment the defensive line in run situations. And you could see some of that in, in obvious rundowns. You might see uh, you might see one player that's a little bit stronger against the run. You know, maybe that's a Zeke Walker. You might see him, the Husky. And in past situations, maybe you see uh, a Ben Bach who has, you know, transitioned from the traditional defensive back role to the Husky spot. So it's really interesting. I think the starter uh, against FIU is I'm going to predict it's going to be Marcelino Ball just because we've heard so many good things about him. Um, and then I, I think you'll see uh, you will see Ben Bach and Zeke Walker also get playing time during the opener. Um, I don't know if you envision anyone besides those three getting opening day minutes, or or if you had different thoughts about who you think is going to going to line up as kind of the the rotation, or or if you agree with that. As far as what we've seen in practice, and it's hard to tell with Jamie Thompson being out, if he's back, I yep. believe they'll they'll try and get him and work him into the rotation. Will he start? Probably not, just because he's missed so much time. Uh, but yeah, they and there want, have been no updates on him, right? There have been no been updates no, beyond at the turf, though. Yeah, there have been no updates. He's, uh, you know, he was in a boot at the beginning of camp at the the end of camp, it looked like he was out of the boot, uh, but that's not, I can't confirm, uh, you know, that. And hopefully when we talk to coaches on Friday for game day, uh, somebody will ask uh, about Jamie Thompson's um, availability for the game uh, and all, you know, all of that's the injury news, you know, who's, you know, available to, to dress for the game and all that stuff. But you'd think even if he's available, let's say, hypothetically he did come back uh, for the final week of camp, final week of practice. He's still, you know, the thing with the turf toe is it's not like an arm injury or you broke your arm where you could do the cardio work and all of that stuff. Turf toe is you're, you're limited in your running and and it's tougher to get into game shape. Whereas they're going to ease him in. It's not there. It's somebody that they need for, um, for big 10 play. It's somebody who you don't want to rush back. Um, they have enough talent at the Husky position to, to go up against FIU and Ball State and Wake Forest. And, and I think you're right in terms of there is going to be rotation. If uh, FIU is, is normally a two tight end team, um, yeah. you know, two tight ends and a running back, and, and maybe you see a Zeke Walker start with the, with the bigger body. Um, but Marcelino Ball has been very, very impressive. And I would be shocked to see him start as a true freshman uh, at that position as they're trying to get Jamie Thompson back. Um, but a lot of it's going to be dictated on um, personnel matchups. So if the, if, they, if FIU comes out running the ball, maybe see Zeke Walker if they come out throwing the ball and, and maybe they're the faster guy. Uh, you see Ben Bach and Marcelino Ball, uh, but you'll see all probably see all three of those guys uh, as it's going to be super duper hot in Florida. Um, yeah, from, from what I hear, it, it's literally like walking into a, a steam room. Um, so that should be super duper fun for us and um, super tiring for for the uh, for the fans um, as well as the players. Uh, so it's it's a you'll you'll see all those guys. Don't be surprised if you see J- Jamie Thompson come in uh, later in the game for for you know a handful of plays. Um, but the guy to watch is 
is Marcelino Ball um, at that position. And it, it is going to be – it is almost like a, a nickel linebacker uh, type of yeah. uh, position where – um, if IU fans are, are listening, if you have a Big Ten Network uh, subscription, go on, watch. South, South Florida played um, played Maryland last year. forgot what week it was. It was early in the season. But go watch the replay of that game um, it, so you could get used to, you know, if you have questions about that defense. Um, you know, South Florida ultimately lost to Maryland, but it, it's good to get used to and see where that Husky plays. And, and you could see them play down at the line, back in the backfield. So, you know, it, it's really going to be an interesting position to watch in terms of how they use it, where they're rushing guys from, um, and, and it's going to be fun. That's the big thing about this defense is the energy. It's They've had so much energy during camp. Even three weeks in when we went, they're flying around, you know, still excited. Where if you've ever had preseason practice for a sport, usually after the, the third or fourth day, it's like, oh, God, here we go again. Why, like, what's, why are we doing this? Um, and, and enthusiasm wanes as, as it goes on. But to see um, the energy level at week three, it should be encouraging to fans uh, looking for improvement. This is, they have a little bit of swagger. They have self-belief, which is a, a term that, that Kevin Wilson says is key. It's not cockiness, but they they believe they could do it, and and that's step one in doing anything is it's having that that self confidence and self belief into doing it, um, and so you know, but we we won't see it, it, it until it hits the field. If you know, people want proof, and proof is uh, proof will be on the field in in eight days uh, when this defense lines up against a a very solid FIU offense. Um, but let, let's move to linebackers uh, strength of the defense uh, right now, uh, which so much depth uh, TJ, but they do go from three linebackers to two, uh, which might cut away some people's playing time. Um, I think yeah. right now you have to pencil in Marcus Oliver and T gray scales as your starters. They're the most athletic linebackers. They're uh, talent wise. They're the best linebackers. Uh, Marcus uh, Oliver uh, finished with 112 tackles last year. Um, you know, first time since 08 when Matt Mayberry did it. Um, so it, it's it's a position where there are a lot of guys, and you've seen a lot of linebackers move. One guy who has moved positions is Clyde Newton. Uh, he's, you know, we forgot to to put him in our running back uh, preview last week, but he's a guy who's going to get some carries who um, in the fourth quarter, if IU has a lead, you're going to see them, you know, give him and, and Tyler Nady the ball to to run that four-minute offense, to, to wear down those, you know, defensive backs. And it, it, it's not going to be fun for a defensive back to try and tackle Clyde Newton. Um, it, it's more like, right. you know, you, you get in his way and somehow he falls down than, than you actually, you know, putting a, a real hit on him. So um, you've seen positions move around. And, and one guy who also might be left out of the rotation, who's played a lot of good football for IU is TJ Simmons. Um, but you're going to have uh, a lot of guys in there. You know, Damian Willis is a, is a guy who, um, mm-hmm. who coaches have, have mentioned and, and Coach Inch has been high on. Uh, Raekwon Jones 
uh, is a, is another guy is uh, a young guy getting into the playing mix. So the body types are younger, faster, uh, more athletic linebackers who are going to move side to side better, who play in coverage and who could rush the passer as well. And and you have that in, in Oliver and Scales and this linebacking core. It's not the best, you know. It, it's right. They're a solid linebacking core in the Big Ten, and, and and they're the best unit on this defense. Um, yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, definitely the, the the front two you feel really good about. Uh, you feel really good about Marcus Oliver. He improved so much uh, before last season, and just uh, I really came into his own as a, as a player and a leader for the defense. He's going to be uh, kind of the quarterback there in the middle of the defense. He's going to be getting things aligned and uh, making sure everybody's where they're where they're supposed to be, which is not going to be easy. Um, with this, you know, new defense, there are going to be some growing pains for sure. And I, I think it's important that we keep in mind it's the defense in week one is not going to look how it does uh, come the end of the season. There's going to be a, a transition period. There's going to be, like I said, some growing pains. Uh, and I, it's going to be hard for us to, at least for me, to not, you know, we've heard so much about how much of a difference Tom Allen is making, I'm going to try really, really hard to keep my expectations in check and just, you know, look for progress. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to look for progress uh, from the linebackers, from the defense as a whole, just look for, you know, progress week to week and continued improvement throughout the course of the season. And we saw that with Marcus Oliver. He just came into his own. He's my MVP of the linebacking unit. Um, that T. Grant Scales was a guy that was not healthy last year, um, and it, it it showed his play lacked a little explosiveness, which I'm hoping to, to see uh, back in there. I think he can be – I think what you'd ideally like to have happen is that T. Grant Scales can kind of provide some, some pass rush help for a unit that you – know, we'll talk about it with the defensive line, but – I think pass rush is probably the weakest part of this defense heading into the season, or at least the part with question marks about it. And T. Gray Scales is a guy that's athletic and quick enough to to really provide the uh, offensive linemen some problems if he's unleashed in that way, which, based on what we expect, you know, I, I think that that is going to happen some. You're going to see T. Gray Scales rush the passer some. And I'm hoping to see some of that explosiveness that we saw in his freshman season uh, return because he was just not 100% healthy. The question mark I have with the linebacking unit comes when those two are off the field. I know that they really like Damian Willis, and, uh, and you know, he showed some solid play in flashes last season. Um, I like T.J. Simmons as a you know veteran presence. And then Raekwon Jones um, – got the physical profile of, you know, a, a linebacker that should work very well in this system. You know, a guy that I had a question for you about uh, as to where he fits in the linebackers or if he fits in there at all uh, is going to be Amari Stringer. Um, not, you know, he's a redshirt freshman, um, much like Raekwon Jones. They were kind of guys that came in drawing comparisons to each other. I, I'm not really sure where Amari fits in, and then I'm not I'm not real sure 
where uh, where Copeland fits in either. So, um, or Covington, sorry, uh, Chris Covington, former quarterback, <clears throat> has been in multiple spots. Where do you think those two guys end up falling in the in the rotation? Well, I think Covington is a. We'll start with him uh, since he has, you know, played some and he's played a lot in fall camp. <laughs> Um, and I think he's farther ahead right now than Omari Stringer. Um, but Covington's this is it's an area where this is the danger of moving Clyde Newton to running back is yeah he was a very very good linebacker um, for IU last year and he's a guy who would be very quality depth um, at linebacker and I wouldn't rule it out seeing if you're going against. Look, if Indiana is going against a heavy run team and they're up by by a you know seven to ten points in the fourth quarter and they need a stop, don't be shocked to see Clyde Newton out there making plays. Um, or you know, if injuries he, come up, I mean, or, yeah, or if could have a couple guys get out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's you know you want your best players on the field, and he was a very good linebacker. But Chris Covington's a guy who's very athletic. He has good instincts at linebacker. He wanted to play there last year. And as Wilson mm-hmm. has said in the past, the best thing for the team is to do what's best for the player. That way, you know, he's happy. He's not, you know, creating issues in the locker room or off the field uh, in terms of attitude. Uh, but he, he's a guy who's bought into this defense. He's an athletic guy. He's quick. Um, and, and I think he's a, he's a good fit to, to plug in if Oliver and, and Scales need a break. Hopefully they don't need breaks at the same exact time uh, where you could just, you know, kind of like basketball where you could take one guy out, plug another in, and then take the other guy out and plug him in. But for the most part of the game, play Scales and Oliver together. Um, It'll be interesting to see the linebacker substitution patterns. But, you know, it's Damian Willis is is probably the clear number two. um, And and Chris Covington is in there as well. in terms of that, but it, it, it'll be tough to see who else uh, gets in there, whether or not Raekwon Jones uh, could break into that too deep. Uh, Omari Stringer, who, you know, is a, a good recruit uh, coming to IU, whether he breaks into the lineup, it's just, there's so much depth um, in terms of talent in front of them. Did they uh, have enough to, to get in there um, for a few plays at least, but, It'll be an interesting position to watch. It'll be interesting to see where Clyde Newton comes in, if at all, on defense. It's all speculation. Um, you know, we we never saw him being used on defense in practice, um, and, and he's been terrific at running back, and, and Coach McCullough loves him. But, you know, for a team that hasn't beaten Ohio State or Michigan since, you know, the late 80s, when push comes to shove and you need a big body in there to make a tackle on, on third and three uh, or fourth and three uh, to win the game. If I were coaching, man, you got to put your best linebacker or best, you know, your best players on defense in the field. And if that means taking Clyde Newton off of offense and, and playing them both ways a little bit, uh, you got to do it. Uh, Cause a win like that will go a long way. Um, but Clyde Newton also could go the other way. If IU has the ball and is up, you know, three or seven points and needs a first down to seal it, uh, he could be that guy to do it for you too. Uh, so, 
you know, maybe they'll seal a game on, on both sides of the ball this year. You never know. And, and that'll be a fun little tidbit if it, if it does happen, you know, Mm-hmm. It, it, it'll be interesting to see. Um, now the biggest question mark on the defense today is the defensive line. Uh, Indiana's yep. moving back to a four-man front. Uh, they lose Darius Latham, Zach Shaw, and Nick Mangieri, who all played good football for them last year. Um, you know, say what you want about Darius Latham. He was a talented player. Um, he, he did make some plays. Did he make enough plays? Probably not. Um, to meet the expectations of his talent level, but it, he was a guy you could you know, mostly count on on starting. Um, but you know, replacing those guys are going to be tough. Uh, but you have Ralph Green and Nate Hoff back. I think the the most valuable players are those two, uh, and, and it's a package deal. If those two guys in the middle at defensive tackle could get a push. Uh, that'll open everything up for the defense. It'll let, um, you know, if you end up having to double team one of them, it might let one of these edge guys like Jacob Robinson um, come off the line. A big, uh, you know, a big issue I think for them is is losing Robert McCray for at least half the season um, with the shoulder injury. And and we'll see when, when and if he comes back. I think it's more when than if, um, but he's a guy who played played a lot of ball uh, last year. He's a guy who was penciled in as a starter. Uh, he had 17 tackles, five and a half tackles for a loss. Um, but he's a guy who you know you could you could count on for for snaps and and um, and some plays in the backfield. So to me, Ralph Green and Nate Hoff are the keys. If they could get back to where they were their freshman years. Uh, yeah, especially Nate Hoff, who, you know, was almost non-existent last year. Um, and that's yeah. tough for a guy who's 300 pounds is to basically be non-existent on the field. But if he could get back to his all Big Ten freshman season, and if Ralph Green could be more consistent in, in, uh, in his play and, and get back to where he was as a freshman, he wasn't terrible last year, but, you know, if he could grow – at the rate we expected him to grow as a player, that defensive line, it'll go a long way in shoring up that, that D line. And then of course the biggest issue on the D line is, is pass rush coming off the edges. And, and right now you, you have Jacob Robinson, who's um, he's close to 300 pounds too. Uh, and, and he's a guy who maybe later in his career will move inside, but does he have the quickness and speed to come off the edge um, at, at one DN spot, and then you know who who knows who's going to be at the other DN. Um, you, you have Greg Gooch and Niall Sykes, uh, and freshman Alan Stallings, who to me is one of the more intriguing players because uh, he is that speed guy, the traditional edge rusher you think of in in a four three defense uh, who could bring a mm-hmm. speed rush to the edge, but. It should be encouraging. I I think the last day we saw practice, Niall Sykes picked off a pass uh, and went in for a touchdown or what would have been a touchdown if Tom Allen didn't jump him on the way to the end zone, um, which yeah, I, I'm pretty sure he knows that that's not allowed in the game. He can't get out in front of a, you know, a corner and pick six and, and knock defenders out of the way. Um, but you know, it, it's encouraging. These guys have improved. They're getting used to the positions. 
Uh, and another defensive lineman to keep an eye on is, is Jameer's Bowen. He made a couple big plays in, in some of the practices we've seen too, and he's getting used to playing defense. And, and Coach Hagan has done a, an excellent job in, in coaching these guys up, getting them ready, um, and, and getting them the, the reps that they need to, to be ready to you know, try and not be the weak link of the, uh, of the defense and try and not be the reason that IU doesn't win a big game or doesn't, you know, get to another bowl game. That's, I, I think, um, you know, playing with that chip on their shoulder it, it will help them. Yeah, it's, this is definitely the, the, in my opinion, the unit on the team with the most question marks, and it, it does have the potential to be a weak link. Uh, certainly not a guarantee it will be, because I think Mark Hagan was a huge hire uh, for Kevin Wilson, and I, I, he's a guy that has really succeeded everywhere he's gone as a head or as a as an assistant coach. Um, I think that he's already made a positive impact just based on things we've heard from practice, things that you've seen, things that the players have said. Uh, I think he's a guy that can really help at a position that Indiana desperately needs it. And, you know, if you need further proof of that, just look at what they're doing in the 2017 recruiting class. It's a big area of focus for them is bringing in more defensive linemen because they don't have the type of depth. And Kevin Wilson has said this. They don't have the type of depth that they need to have that you'd feel comfortable to have uh, in the Big Ten East because it's such a rugged division. Guys are going to get beat up at this position. And the biggest area of concern there is on the interior, Robert McCray being out, he's a hurt. You know, that's why Jacob Robinson is bulk, uh, is to, so that he can have that flexibility to play inside when needed, and it will be needed because after Green and Hoff, you, you don't have any proven uh, proven guys on the interior now without McCray. Um, I think that yeah. Ralph Green yeah. and Nate Hoff would both tell you they were not pleased with the way that they performed in 2015, I think that they're both looking for some redemption. Um, and I think that they both, as you mentioned, they're playing with chips on their shoulders. They've talked about wanting to, to prove that last year was a fluke, that they, they can do much better because neither of them really performed up to expectations in 2015. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm in agreement with you that those two are kind of the ones to, the ones that are most needing to, to have big gears if this Indiana defensive line is going to produce. And then on the edge rushers, Jacob Robinson, uh, Alan Stallings, Brandon Wilson, a redshirt freshman that has the look of a guy that, uh, you know, both him and Stallings look like guys that should be good edge rushers for Indiana. And then the, that quote-unquote bowl position, which is, you know, another name for a, a rush defensive end. Um Greg Gooch, Niall Sykes, two guys that moved from linebacker. And I think that this position suits them better than linebacker did, so it'll be interesting to see how they have adapted to it. They've said all the right things. They've looked like they've improved uh, throughout practice and training camp, but you know, we'll see how it is when they're going against uh, actual you know, competition. So it's a, a unit with a lot of question marks, not a ton of depth there, especially in the middle. I think the biggest concern will be what happens if 
during this time that Robert McRae is out, what happens if Green or Hoff or, you know, heaven forbid, both of them get banged up and are unable to go in a game? How does Indiana generate any type of uh, interior uh, run defense, and, and what do they do to, to stop from getting run over? I think the most intriguing thing from a coaching standpoint is going to be what do they do to kind of generate a pass rush? Now, the players still have to do it, but the coaches can scheme things up that you can generate a pass rush without having elite pass rushers. So, you know, how do they do it? Is that going to be T. Gray scales on blitzes? Is that going to be some stunts up there? You know, you mentioned earlier in the, in the podcast, uh, I think during spring ball, that they were working on kind of defensive line up front stunts to kind of get around offensive linemen in different ways than what, what you had seen at previous Indiana camps. So I, I, I'm just interested to see how the coaching staff utilizes the personnel that they have. Um, if, this, if this defensive line underperforms and indeed is a weak link, uh, you know, it's going to create problems from, from the back you know, from the front on back, I mean, it will create problems for the linebackers because they will not be freed up to to make plays, create problems for the secondary. If there's no pass rush, obviously the longer they have to defend, uh, the more likely. I mean, you just, you can't ask your, your secondary to defend, you know, for five or six seconds against good receivers. They'll eventually get eaten alive, and that will yeah, happen that, with any good secondary. So that, it, it might be it, it's going to be a big, big reason defense. for concern. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah especially I'm, if I'm you have to, have to send the really. Husky and the linebacker, you're going to play man-on-man yep. most of the time. And it, that's what happened last year is that they ended up blitzing yeah. and, and playing man-on-man, and, and it hurt them in the secondary. So, yeah, that that defensive line, you know, best-case scenario, let's say McCray comes back mid-year, at least he'll be fresh. He's a fresh body who could step up in there after – um, you know, after the, the guys have played six or seven games. And that's where the early bye week actually helps is that some of these guys can get back healthy without missing, you know, too many games. Um, whereas, you know, if he had the midweek, mid-year bye week, he misses six, six games or seven games instead of five or, you know, whatever the number is, maybe if he comes back healthy, he'll be, uh, he'll be good to go and uh, really solidify the depth along there uh, that they have. But they they will be in real trouble if Nate Hoff and uh, Ralph Green uh, do get banged up in in Big Ten play against, you know, some of these these teams. So it's important. This is where depth – Wilson wants to play 10 guys. uh, And IU, he says, has about eight and, and yep. you know, reinforcements are coming next year. You mentioned it before with, with Kagan, uh, and, and he's a great coach. He's recruiting well. And, you know, this class for next year, you could the, – the year of the year of beef uh, for IU in that recruiting yep. class. But, um, you know, reinforcements are coming down the road, but this will be something that uh, that this year could – you know, derail the season if they do underperform. But if they could perform adequately, it, it could be a, you know, you could see improvements. And 
and it's hard to judge improvements based on stats because the, the offensive game has just changed so much and all the rules and and everything favors the offense. So you've seen, you know, you go back, IU hasn't, you know, held teams under so, so many points since whenever, but, you know, points per game have gone up on average a, a lot over the last decade or so. So, you know, somebody who's, you know, well, they only gave up this many points in the 80s during Mallory's years. Well, the game has changed. Um, it's more up tempo, yeah. more, you know, rules favoring the offense, um, and all that stuff. And, 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 you know, it's by design points. People love watching points and points being scored. So, you know, last year, 38 points or whatever they gave up, 37 points, something uh, points per game. It's way too much uh, for improvement, enough improvement. You know, if they could get down to 30, maybe even crack the 28s, um, you know, that should be good enough. If, if you get into the 20s, that, that, shows real improvement. Um, if you could hold a team, you know, if you can improve the 30 points per game, you know, that, that's solid improvement. That'll, that'll shoot you up the list a little bit in terms of rankings. Uh, but if they could be somewhere in the seventies in terms of total defense, um, that, that'd be all. Yeah. Look out, you know, you're going to have a real, you know, teams, teams of the big 10 should be on, on notice. If they could get this defense, you know, turned around, get it into the middle of the pack, uh, and then go from there. Look out, because they're going to beat somebody, and they're they, you know, they're not going to be a, a playoff crasher, but they'll they'll be a party crasher. They'll crash somebody's playoff party, in terms of uh, Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, you know, teams like that who are vying for a Big Ten title. Um, but anyway, TJ, uh, we are out of time. Good news is uh, that our next podcast will be our pregame show. Uh, for FIU, uh, we'll go over everything FIU, IU, um, matchups to watch, you know, game day coverage, what we think, uh, you know, keys to the game are, uh, everything. Uh, our game week coverage, uh, it's a little odd this year since it is starting on a Thursday. Our game week coverage is going to start um, start this Friday uh, with the Know Your Opponent. Uh, that'll come out on Friday. Uh, and then we'll have uh, other pieces come out the rest of the week. I believe, um, you know, Tuesday is, is going to be the podcast day. Uh, we're traveling down to Florida on Wednesday, um, and then we'll get back into regular game week uh, schedules uh, when they start playing on Saturdays again. But it's uh, it's it's here, TJ. Uh, the first game, uh, the college game, is is tomorrow night. Uh, Cal and Hawaii in 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 um, in Australia. So, you know, football season's finally here. We made it uh, through the off season, and and I'm happy it's here. Absolutely, yeah. I just want to thank everybody for that has stood on the site and through the podcast uh, throughout the off season, quote unquote. However, you want to classify the off season. Um, off you know, is a it's yeah, a loose terms, term yeah. off season. Yeah, yeah. It's been a it's been a really fun fun ride. We're ready to ready to get into it. Let's hopefully start winning some football games. Yep. All right. Well, hopefully uh, you enjoyed the defensive preview and and the defense continues to improve uh, on the field. And we'll see what they have uh, next Thursday at at FIU. Um, Keep coming back to HoosierHuddle.com uh, for updated content on Indiana football. We'll be uh, 
having new pieces out every day of the week. I, and follow us on Twitter at Hoosier underscore huddle. We thank you for your, for listening and thank you for your readership. And uh, we love interacting with you guys. So shoot us a message um, and, and all of that. Enjoy the rest of your week. Uh, it's the final week without uh, college football. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast.